0: It's Friday night And the mood is right We're gonna have some fun Show you how it's done, TGI Welcome back to the TGI Podcast As we creep closer and closer to the big day I hope that at least for a little bit Listening to this podcast has allowed, you know, things to slow down At least a little bit to help you fully embrace the holiday season We are fully in it now Trees are up, lights are on christmas music everywhere everywhere you turn there's christmas right now so i hope you're able to fully embrace it enjoy it right now because as we all know it goes by so so quick this week though we're tackling another tjf classic and it's one we haven't gone back to in quite some time so now on to the show we're covering I'll Be Home for Christmas from the fourth season of Step by Step. It premiered on December 16th, 1994 and it was the 12th episode of that season. Somehow this is the first time since our very first season back in December of 2020 that we've actually covered an episode of this show. And that was their first Christmas episode of Step by Step, and we had our good friend Anthony Caruso from Tiz the Podcast on, so it has been a long time coming. Don't know how this sort of got lost in the mix, but I'm very glad to get back into it and talk about this show And since it has been a little while since we covered the show itself, I'll run through the cast real quickly. Patrick Duffy, he starred as Frank Lambert. Suzanne Somers starred as Carol Foster Lambert. Cece Keenan as Dana Foster. Sasha Mitchell as Cody Lambert. Brandon Call as JT Lambert. Angela Watson as Karen Foster. Christine Lakin as Al Lambert. Christopher Castile as Mark Foster and Josh Byrne. ...as Brendan Lambert, and this episode also featured the wonderful Doris Roberts as Aunt Edna. Now, for those of you unaware of the show, it's basically Brady Bunch meets the 90s. And instead of a lovely lady with three girls of her own, it is a woman who has two girls and a son, a man who has two boys and a girl families intermingle again it is very much the Brady Bunch for the 90s but it was a show that was successful enough uh, during its run and being on TGIF but before we dive into this episode now it is time for a Christmas connection no one from this cast for this episode immediately jumped out at me specifically with the main cast Uh, For someone who had a memorable role in a Christmas movie, I assume probably at least one or two uh, of these actors, actresses would have been in a Christmas movie. At least like a Hallmark movie. I was kind of racking my brain here. I was going through IMDb and then I could not believe that I looked past the guest star of this episode, Doris Roberts. How could I be so dumb? She is obviously... Obviously best known for her role is Marie Barone on Everybody Loves Raymond, who we have covered before on this show. Uh, multiple times we have covered Everybody Loves Raymond. Marie is an iconic sitcom mother-grandmother figure, but she also played Frances, who was Ellen Griswold's mother, in the iconic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which was released in 1980. Nine. Folks, folks, folks! Merry Christmas. Hey, I'm Look at how big you got, baby. Merry Christmas. Oh, mom. Knock oh, on the door. Oh, you know, they took a pint of fluid out of my lower back. You see the small? The small in my neck? You think it's changing color? No. Well, you keep touching it, it's getting redder. I got hemorrhoids. Can you believe them? Oh, mother. Isn't that terrible? As for this particular episode, IMDB offers up this very scatterbrained synopsis saying, it's Christmas time, and JT feels that he can go skiing with his mates now that he's 18. However, the trip doesn't go quite as planned. Also, bad-tempered Aunt Edna comes for a visit, much to Frank and the children's displeasure. So there's a lot. There's two storylines in this. And immediately right off the bat, I get home improvement vibes from JT and the skiing storyline. So if you remember, there is the episode. We covered it for... I want to say, are uh, Christmas in July, or maybe it was uh, even before then. I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but there was an episode of Home Improvement where Brad is probably 12, 13 years old. He wants to go skiing with his friend's family over Christmas. His parents say no. Brad kind of rebels. He dries going. And that's what I sort of thought this was going to be. This is an episode I remember watching, but it had been a long time since I'd seen it. Uh, but... The good thing is it actually comes to light for uh, JT. He actually goes on the trip where we don't see that with Brad, other than Brad Taylor trying to go and leave with his friends on Christmas Eve. But uh, in this storyline, it's a little bit different. So the episode, it opens up. We have nerdy Mark. He is Carol's son, the middle son, and he is or the youngest son of hers pledging to his girlfriend that he will fax her every day while they are apart for Christmas. This gave me Dustin vibes from Stranger Things a little bit, uh, him and his girlfriend, and I I just thought that the faxing comments immediately dated the show so much, especially while we have Cody bringing up, that's dating in the 21st century for you. And he talks about how uh, that's what technology is like for them then, that they could just fax each other. Oh my gosh. You know, nowadays it's kids will have their phones and they could text or use apps and whatnot to talk to each other. But it was just funny how that already is such a dated technology. And this is a show from the mid-90s, even though the mid-90s were, you know, almost 30 years ago, but that's hard to comprehend for some of us who were born in the 1980s. But there's also a point right before we go into the opening credits where Mark talks about how his girl is one smoking mama. And they go into the credits of the show. So we return from the break. Again, I've said it before, I believe I said it the first time we talked about this up ep- or talked about this show. I love their opening credits. They're on the they're at the amusement park, they're on a the roller coaster, all that fun stuff. So it is one of those iconic 90s sitcom opening sequences that you just you gotta love. When we return from the break, we see Frank, we see Cody, they're wrapping gifts together in the kitchen. And Frank, being the contractor that he is, he's using a staple gun to wrap his gifts. A very nice uh, sight gag here to open up this episode. We see JT. He runs down the stairs. He's got his bags packed. He's loaded up, ready to go. And this is where we find out he's going on a skiing trip. And Cody kind of calls him out for not being around for Christmas. And I'm on Team Cody here immediately (laughs) from the jump. And this this is where JT, he points out, hey... I'm 18 now, I can make decisions for myself, and Frank also points out, hey, I'm not going to try to convince JT otherwise, because he's an adult, he can make those choices for himself, he can live with those ramifications, there's a part of me that, like, you, I think anybody can relate to JT in this this circumstance, not necessarily that you want to not be around your family, on Christmas, Christmas Eve, all that stuff, but rather when you turn 18, you get the sense that you can do whatever you want. Even if you're living under the roof of your parents, that you feel like, well look at me, I'm 18 years old, I'm an adult now, I can make my own choices. I think we all go through that, so I think it makes it relatable that JT is going through with this. So JT, he heads out the door, and the moment he walks out the door, Frank calls him an an ungrateful brat for skipping out on Christmas. So Frank's upset that his son, his oldest son, has decided not to be around for Christmas, and Cody points out, like, why didn't you say anything to JT for not coming? And Frank's like, hey, it's not my place to do that, because... This is this is for JT, he has to, he's got his own freedom, he has to make his own decisions, and Cody just keeps going on and on about all the things JT's going to miss, and it just makes Frank feel even worse that he didn't step up and just say, look, son, I know you want to go with your friends, but it would mean a lot to me, it would mean a lot to Carol if you were here with us for Christmas. And he kind of ends up realizing how much he's going to miss his son, because he's not going to be there. We shift then. We go out into the living room. We see uh, the majority of the other kids. uh, Al's out there. Mark's there. Brendan's there. They're helping Carol trim the tree. And I gotta say, this room just screams. 1990s Christmas. The big, huge, oversized, full tree. Like It seems like nowadays a lot of trees, especially fake trees... Are more, are a lot skinnier, maybe not as wide. Um, But in the 90s, I felt like our Christmas tree at my parents' house was just massive. It was huge. And maybe that's my perspective of being younger and being 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. And now that I'm in my 30s, it's just different. You know, your brain kind of resets the way you see things. But the tree, the garland that was everywhere all the red bows that were around the house it just felt like that's what my house was like growing up especially the red bows the red bows just gave me that feeling for whatever reason it just it screamed 1990s so it was just so perfectly 90s immediately gave me the feels i was hooked hooked right then on this episode and i feel like i was like well now i'm going to like it if we see more of this living room But then the phone rings. Mark picks it up. He thinks it's going to be his girlfriend. Instead, he's like, he picks it up. He's like, what's up, baby? And he throws the phone uh, right onto the couch. We find out it's actually Aunt Edna, who's a character we've never met, we've never heard from before. As far as I can tell, we've never heard of. And they all tried, Frank's trying to get everybody out quiet. And pretend they aren't there. Carol, she picks up the phone anyways. Frank's like, no, 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 we're not going to be here for the holidays. No, 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 no. Again, this is a trope we see a lot. We see it in a lot of different television shows over the years of people not wanting a certain family member over and all that. But Carol, being the good person that she is, she's like, well, sure, you could come over for Christmas. As soon as Carol gets off the phone, the kids, including Frank, they're all like, I cannot believe you're having her over. Uh, She's terrible. She's such a bad person. And we do get a funny line from Brendan (laughs) here in this episode where he says the last time that Ed... Aunt Edna was there. She pinched his cheeks so hard he wet his pants. And because I'm still a child, I found that line hilarious. I actually had to pause the episode because I just started like cackling uncontrollably because it was so silly and so stupid. But I did find it just very funny. Just then there's a ring at the door, and I'm like, how is she here already? And we find out that Aunt Edna was already there because she called from down the street. Now, mind you, to to you youngins listening to this episode, gosh, I sound very old there. But for, for you younger people, Aunt Edna would not have been a person who had a cell phone, especially at this time, would not have had a cell phone. So likely she was using a payphone, but a payphone down the street. So she was already on her way there and... She opens the door and Doris Roberts is just playing her perfectly. This woman is cold. She is shrill. She just has an expressionless face. Everything about her screams like a Scrooge-type character. Again, something that is not far-fetched and not original, not new in any type of sitcom episode, but it just works. And it works in this one as well, but... Doris Roberts is what makes this character really, really work for me. But we go to the next scene, and we have JT and his friends. They make their way to the cabin, and there's a bunch of them stacked inside this car. They get out, and it is very clearly not what JT thought this was going to be. He had visions in in his head of this nice, quaint cabin it would have had. You know, multiple bedrooms and a kitchen and all these different things. But when they get inside, there's about ten guys in there. It is packed full, and there are only four beds. And one of the guys is like, oh, "Come on, man, it's not that big of a deal. We're just gonna spend our whole time skiing while we're here." And that's when another guy there perks up. He was one of the he played one of the Bash Brothers in the Mighty Mighty Ducks Two <laughs> D Two Mighty Ducks movie. He played one of the Bash Brothers. He's got a line saying that there was an avalanche that took out all the ski lifts and they're not even going to be able to ski while they're there. We head into another break and we return now. We're in the kitchen. Karen, Dana, and Al are left to make their Christmas Eve dinner. And at this moment is when, and, and now I'm reflecting while talking about this, this is the only time we really see Karen and Dana in this episode. It's a lot, the focal point has a lot more to do with JT, obviously, Cody kind of playing the positive guy that he usually does, and the younger kids. So Karen and Dana kind of had like a week off (laughs) this week. They're only really in this scene and kind of in the background of some others, but they're... uh, They've been tasked by Carol to make Christmas Eve dinner because she is busy at the salon working on Christmas Eve. The three of them, they're just staring at this big giant turkey. None of them want to reach inside the bird to pull out the innards. But of course, Edna, Edna, she comes in. She's all like, what are you guys doing? Look, she just grabs Al's hand. She jams it right inside the turkey. So it's a funny little moment from her. And then immediately we jump back and we're at the cabin. JT and his buddies are trying to eat some dinner. It's very obviously cold there. They don't have much of a fire going. And JT's like, whose bright idea was it to bring frozen dinners for Christmas Eve? As he's holding up basically a spoonful of a popsicle (laughs) at this point. And then we get the most 1990s moment of an episode maybe ever and this felt so out of place it felt so strange and so forced but two guys show up carrying a tv and they are doing their best to beavis and butthead impression i had secondhand embarrassment for these two actors <laughs> It is so strange, it is so awkward, it is so forced. And I know at this time, Beavis and Butthead was a big thing. It was a very big thing in this era. It was something I remember as a kid. Like My mom was like, you can't watch this show uh, and all that sort of thing. Uh, when I was younger, like 10, 11 years old or whatever, it's like, you can't watch this terrible show and all this stuff. And so tame by, by current standards. But it felt so forced and in this episode and I didn't quite understand it but they sit down with their TV and they're like we've we brought a video it's naughty ski babes and all the guys rush and run around the TV to watch this video JT he calls them all perverts for watching a porno and he heads outside to get some fresh air and and this is one of those strange TGIF moments where they Almost pushed the envelope a little too much. I was a little surprised he said porno. The, The funny thing about it is it is as if they recorded the, like, blurred out channel. Like, you know, if you didn't get HBO as a kid, but if you scroll through the channels, it'd be the HBO channel, and you could hear what was going on, but you couldn't see it, so you get a little scene where they're like, oh, that might be a boob, or (laughs) or whatever, so that little bit is funny, but for the most part, I just think, I just thought the whole thing was really strange with this Beavis and Butthead characters, but JT, he goes outside, he walks a little further down, and there's a payphone there, and he calls home, And we immediately see inside the Lambert house, and it just looks so inviting, so Christmassy, so Christmas Eve-like. And it immediately gave me all the warm fuzzies. The music's playing, you see food getting served in the background. Cody, he answers the phone, and he's basically rubbing it all in about how great it is at the house, uh, that JT's missing out on all this stuff. And it's very clear that JT is not having a good time at all while skiing and at the cabin. And he finally admits to Cody he's miserable. And Cody suggests, why don't you just come home? And JT's like, if I did that, it would be like telling my dad uh, that, that I'm still a little kid. And he says he wants Cody to tell everyone Merry Christmas. And he sulks and he makes his way back into the cabin. Immediately after that, Cody he goes into the kitchen. He tells Frank, look, JT called. It's very clear he wants to come home, but he doesn't want to admit that he was wrong. And Frank's like, well, I'm not going to go get him because I don't want him to know how much I miss him. And Cody calls both of them out for not just doing what they should do. And he, he's like, you're both just stubborn and pigheaded. headed. And at this moment, you are already realizing what's probably going to happen next. Because these episodes are very formulaic. But even because of that, we're still invested in these characters. We go back. We're inside the cabin. Everybody is all bundled up there. There's a knock on the door. And it, of course, is Frank, who drove the two hours to come and talk to JT they have their own little heart-to-heart moment. They both sort of struggle to discuss their feelings because, of course, it's the 90s and it wasn't cool for men to talk about their feelings, but they eventually kind of break, have a little breakthrough. And Frank, he reveals to JT he was hurt. He was hurt that his son didn't want to be around for Christmas, and you could feel... I think anybody could understand that from Frank's perspective when your kid doesn't want to be around for Christmas. And you know, it's eventually going to change and they get older and traditions change and all those things. But in that moment, Frank's still like grasping and holding on to that part of his life. And so I understand that. And JT says, it, you know, it wouldn't be very manly uh, of him to have picked up the phone and asked Frank to pick him up. And Frank's like, look. We both need to do a better job of letting each other know what we're thinking instead of beating around the bush all the time. And JT then admits he wants to come home for Christmas, the two share a hug, and then we jump ahead to Christmas Day. So this whole time you're probably thinking, what is going on with this Aunt Edna storyline? And I'm thinking it too. Despite having seen this, I thought that there was going to be a lot more Aunt Edna in this. But then I look and there's only like a couple minutes left in this episode. And I'm like, this kind of seems like a waste to a certain extent. But she she comes down in the morning. She's complaining about what they had for dinner the night before. and She's like, can't believe, can't believe you let the girls cook dinner. I think they tried to poison me. And then Carol, she's had enough. And she calls her out for not saying a single nice thing since she got there. And she's like, we went out of our way to let you stay at our house for Christmas. We gave you, Frank and I gave you our bedroom. Carol's tired of it. She's like, I'm not about to let your bad attitude ruin my holiday. And in this moment, we see a small moment of reflection take over for Edna. And then she just immediately apologizes to Carol for being a pain in the butt. And she admits she is an angry Rather, she's lonely, and everyone is nicer around Christmas, but nobody cares about her during the rest of the year, and Edna even reveals Carol's her favorite niece. They end up hugging after Carol says she's going to make her more of a priority throughout the, the rest of the year, despite the fact that I'm pretty sure we don't see her ever again on the show but then they make their way into the living room. Cody's sitting down at the piano. The kids are around him. They are singing the 12 Days of Christmas before JT and Frank come in. And we get the entire family singing the song together. And then we get a nice little tag at the end of... It's at, It's Christmas morning. All the gifts have been opened. Cody's kind of cleaning up. Mark looks a little sad and dejected. And Cody's like, come on, little dude. Man, you got so many great gifts. And he's like, yeah, that's great, but I I didn't get to see the woman I loved for Christmas. Before there's a ring at the door, it's his girlfriend Gabriella. the two run to each other in slow motion, and they embrace, and that is the end of the episode. So that wraps up I'll Be Home for Christmas from the fourth season of Step by Step, and as always, we like to determine if an episode should be deemed a holiday classic, and for this, I'm giving it a dude this one still gets a you got a dude from me but I feel like it could have done so much more with this episode there are two storylines in this of course you have JT's storyline you have Aunt Edna's storyline um and they're far from being original like we talked about they're tropes we've seen them before and in the case of Aunt Edna They had a curmudgeon of an older character in their first Christmas episode that we covered where Don Knotts plays Deputy Fief, a parody of Barney Fife, and uh, he changes his attitude at the end, so... I wish that Aunt Edna could have been fleshed out a little bit better because you really don't feel that much for her. You get this very brief moment at the end where she's basically like, I'm lonely, and Carol's like, oh, well, that makes up for you being a curmudgeon, and I love you, I love you, story over. So I think that resolution is just so quick at the end, and we don't even get a reaction from the kids or any of that. I do think JT's storyline was a lot better um, it was a nice, sweet moment with him and Frank. I feel like that could have been the focal point of the entire episode, where other things are going on at home, and the the other siblings are upset that their brother's not there, and all of that. And like the Ed, Aunt Edna storyline could have been an entire episode on itself. So I feel like everything got shoved together, and it made the Aunt Edna storyline a lot, lot weaker. So that's the the big part of it that that I didn't like, that I felt like it was such an afterthought, even though the JT storyline is pretty good, despite the very weird Beavis and Butthead moment that is in there. But what ultimately puts it over the top for me, outside of the JT storyline, it is the ambiance. It is the decorations. It's what makes me feel like a kid again and what took me back into that 1990s home in the gaudy mid-90s decorations there was just something about that that i really loved and it really hit home for me and that's why this kind of gets nudged in that direction i know i haven't really handed out a lot of uh, no way jose's over the years especially when it comes to the christmas episodes but they do enough good in this that I could overlook some of the not-so-good. It's a solid Christmas episode overall. Uh, again, the JT storyline is worth, re- oh, worth watching, but it was a waste of Doris Roberts and a waste of the Aunt Edna character as a whole. So that wraps up this week's episode, and it just pushes us even closer to the big day. And as a way to give me a Christmas gift, I'd love it if you left us a review on either Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. They both help the, uh, help this podcast get more listens. You could also contact me afterwards and let me know. I'll send you some free stickers. Uh, I also hope you've been enjoying the bonus episodes we've been dropping on Thursdays. It's been a lot of fun doing these like lists and different things, and I've I've enjoyed this. I think it might be something we'll do in future um, holiday seasons, do a few more of these bonus episodes, because they are fun to do, and I do hope you've enjoyed them. So with Christmas not too far away, make sure you're a little less like Aunt Edna, a lot more like Cody, who is the most positive buddy the elf type character in this episode and be sure you're more like him in the coming days so thanks again for listening i'll talk to you all very soon the tgi podcast is written produced and hosted by me matt yurik our social media is available by searching for tgi podcast on facebook and instagram and the music for this outro is provided by carlo espin Licensed under CC BY 4.0.